1: Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All America podcast. My name is Bill Troche, senior editor at sportingnews.com, alongside Bill Bender, lead college football writer at sportingnews.com. And Bill, Friday, bowl season starts. Bowl season kicks off. We're just days away from the extravaganza 41 bowls this year. Um, And, you know, you're a guy who says there's
2: no such thing as too many bowls. Never. And I always, (laughs) my two catchphrases is there's no such thing as too much football and bowl games mean something different to everyone. I always say that like, yes, guys leave and skip for bowl, you know, the NFL and yes, the, the NIL and transfer portal has changed some things, but you know, like when you have that school, like you know, a couple of years when Army was in there, North Texas is in there. The Bahamas Bowl between UAB and Miami of Ohio, and I always encourage people just to watch the Bahamas Bowl to see how weird that bowl game really is. Um, it, it, it's a great time of year, and at the end of this, we're all going to be like, I can't wait for college football. And you're going to sit there and say, Well, I'm not going to watch these 42 games. Of course, I do. I watch every single play. No, but. I'm wrapping presents or, or that kind of thing, of course I'm going to have it on in the background. Of course you're going to have it on. Absolutely. No doubt. And when you
1: say there's no such thing as too much football, that is, let's keep in mind Saturday there is the uh, the HBCU bowl game. That's one. There are six bowl FBS bowls. That's seven. And then there's three NFL games on Saturday. <laughs> That's 10 games, uh, basically trying to get exclusive windows on different channels and things like that. So when you say uh, there's no such thing as too much football, December 17th might put that to the test. We shall see. So uh, welcome in to our show. We are going to uh, we'll get to the bowls in a minute. First, we're going to kick off a little uh, piece I worked on for SportingNews.com, uh, handing out report cards for the 14 first year coaches across FBS, and, man, there were some terrific seasons by first-year coaches. We've talked about it a little bit throughout the season. Um, it's amazing. Two of them were in contention for the National Coach of the Year and Sonny Dykes and Lincoln Riley. Uh, Sonny Dykes has won a couple of Coach of the Year awards already. Uh, it's just been an amazing year for some first-year coaches. So we'll go over a quick quick re- uh, report card for some of those guys. Uh, we'll talk about some Dion Sanders. Uh, the Celebration Bowl that uh, Jackson State is participating in is in Atlanta this weekend. I will be there. I think I'm going to the press conference on Friday, and then I'm going to the game on Saturday just to take in all that is Dion. see if there's any oxygen left in the room for <laughs> any of the other coaches, any of the other players, and uh, any, any of the other uh, bowl participants. Um, we will have a trivia question, and then we'll get to, uh, we're going to do our confidence contest for the bowl season. Troche won the regular season. Bender says he's going to win the bowl season. Highly doubtful. (laughs) But uh, we're going to pick four games between Friday and Wednesday. I think there's about 10 to 12 bowls. um, And we're going to do like we did during the regular season. Pick four games. Assign the confidence. uh, Four points, three, two, and one. Pick against the spread. And then we'll see uh, who takes the early lead in bowl season. And then at the end of this show, we'll give out the trivia answer. So let's start with our first-year coach report cards. And, Bill, I mean, it's fair to say this was a heck of a season for this group.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah, it's sign of the times, you know, that you can flip a team into a borderline playoff competitor like Lincoln Riley did, or you can take a team into the playoff like Sonny Dykes did, or you can take a team to the SEC championship like Brian Kelly and do it at you know USC and LSU. I remember reacting to those when those hires happened. And I always preach, you know, patience and three years and a four year plan. And no, oh, these guys said, you're one, we're doing it. Um, Even killing DeBoer, I think that's a name, and then we're going to get into it here in a second. But he was the name that stuck out on your list. I mean, you could argue that even though those guys did everything they did, he may have done the best job, which is a a very high bar for some of these first-year coaches.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So we'll we'll go through them. I'm going to go alphabetically. Just we won't take a ton of time, hopefully, but we're going to go alphabetically by the high by the school. Uh, and, and kind of go through and, and just, you know, let people realize just how good they did. Mike Elko will kick it off at Duke. Uh, they went eight and four, uh, and they, you know, they beat Wake Forest and he was a runaway winner of the ACC coach of the year in year one, uh, Duke eight wins. Like I said, they had five wins in the two years before. Um, my, my only caveat with him is, is, you know, it was a kind of a week, eight wins. Um, they, uh, the the uh, Blue Blue Devils, they beat, I think, uh, like I thought I had it here in front of me. Um,
2: they had a good, yeah, mean, they, six, yeah, six
1: of the wins came against FCS competition or teams that only won three games or less. So six kind of, you know, not so impressive wins, but still eight and four is eight and four at Duke, and their recruiting is up uh, higher than it's been the last three years. I gave them an A-minus.
2: That's good enough. And and Cut Cliff kind of set a high bar there because he did have a nine win season, four win, four seasons of eight wins or more. And I was, you know, I went to an ACC championship game with Duke, six bowl games. Nobody thinks of Duke in six bowl games. So mm-hmm. but to get them on that track, and they played some meaningful games. So absolutely a great job by Mike Elko.
1: Yeah, great start there. Billy Napier, next on the list. Florida, they went six and six. Did beat Utah, which is you know impressive, and South Carolina. Two teams that are in the top 25. Uh, five of Florida's six losses were to teams that were either ranked at the time or ranked at the end of the season. Uh, but the sixth loss was Vanderbilt. Shouldn't have lost that game. And, you know, uh, as I said in the, in the story, if you're Florida, you're looking for a little more out of the first season, a little higher floor than six and six. They do have a top 10 recruiting class coming in, but I, I'm going to give them a C plus. I don't think. Florida should should be six and six no matter what the
2: circumstances are. No, I yeah. I mean, he did inherit a mess and they it, it kinda I'm gonna group I'm not gonna skip ahead. I am gonna kinda skip ahead because Brian Kelly's our next coach, right? Yes. And they played and at that time they were about on the same trajectory. But LSU beat Florida went on to the year that they had, and Florida lost that game and it kinda spun out of control a little bit. So I don't think the gap between Florida and LSU is that big, Mm -hmm. which makes for the next recruiting class being such a a big deal for both, both of those coaches, because it can flip in a hurry in the sec.
1: Yes. So Brian Kelly, for our our Notre Dame fans that that listen, we know we got some uh, spillover for Brian Driscoll's podcast, which is great. Um, uh, LSU at nine and four in, in his uh, first season, there, notable wins are Ole Miss and Alabama. And he's got his recruiting ranking for, uh, you know, class of 2023, uh, the December signing period's about a week away or so. Uh, he's a, he's got it at number five, so that's great for Kelly. Uh, it was a wild year. I looked it up; they were unranked for the first eight weeks of the year, which is hard to remember because you know, landing an unexpected spot in the SEC championship game, you expect to be ranked all season. They were unranked for eight weeks, and then they rocketed all the way from unranked to number six in about three weeks. And then ended up dropping down a little bit, um, you know that that Texas A&M loss end of the season lost left a bad taste, and then really being non competitive in the SEC championship still gave him an A minus. Uh, he took over kind of a messy situation, like I said, recruiting is off to
2: a great start. Yeah, and they weren't people weren't projecting them to even maybe go to a bull game. So mm-hmm. he's done a good job with the talent he has. This was part of the reason he took that job. We'll see if he can continue to recruit. I mean, I think. The, the best thing that Brian Kelly did this year was the, the Jaden da- Daniels development where he was a guy that nobody, if you'd have told, if I'd have told you in August, Hey Bill, um, Jaden Daniels is going to beat Alabama in <laughs> overtime. And he's going to be the reason why you would have said, I ah, knew. No. So uh, great and after season. you watched
1: the first three quarters of the first game against Florida state, you would have said, no, 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 no,
2: but the, the continued. So he can continue to have that at quarterback and the talent they have and can bring in at LSU. Things are going to be just fine.
1: Next on the list, Mario Cristobal. My goodness, Miami, 5-7. and seven. Notable wins, none. He does have a top 10 recruiting ranking, but other than that, I mean, what happened at Miami? It was a total disaster. They lost to MTSU by 14, Florida State by 42, Clemson by 30. Their quarterback, who was supposed to be so good, regressed significantly. I mean, $8 million for a 5-7 and seven record. That's not what the Hurricanes were thinking.
2: No, and the season went off the rails a little bit with that Texas a and loss where it was clear that they weren't ready. Tyler Van Dyke, you know, he, he regressed, like you said, in the story. And, um, you know, you can't lose to Middle Tennessee State or your rivals. So mm-hmm. they are an NIL player. They have the means to recruit well. He got it done at Oregon, and it took a minute. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, the grade that you have is probably about right yeah I had a d
1: and I you know the only thing can preventing it from uh an f was the recruiting class and they at least i mean he never had a f- floor like this at oregon though there win nine wins ten wins they, he he got some wins i mean he was never a twelve and one guy but um this five and seven was shocking to me um next on the list marcus freeman Notre dame uh eight and four they beat Clemson in north carolina of course uh they had to play the final, what, ten and a half games or so with the backup quarterback, uh, Drew Pine, who ended up developing for the most part. I thought they got the most out of him that they could. Um, but, of course, you know, Marshall and Stanford losses, that's tough. Uh, they looked a little overmatched against USC. And, you know, I think eight and four, you, you, you wanted a, at least a floor of nine wins, I think, in his first season. I gave Marcus a B.
2: I would give them a B plus if they beat South Carolina, you know, bump it up to that. And they got back on track. Obviously those losses were bad and the that was a roller coaster ride that you predicted at the beginning of the season. But um yeah, I, I, I think they're still trending in the right direction and you find the right quarterback with some of that talent, they're gonna be just fine. Brent Venables, Oklahoma,
1: six and six. Tough to spin this one. Um, you know, you can cut new c- coaches some slack, but at Oklahoma I mean, they don't have bad seasons. You know, this was the worst season since 1998. Um, You know, they they lost to Texas 49 to nothing. You can regress a little bit, but Oklahoma regressing means nine and three. Um, They've, you know, set such an unbelievable standard with Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley. And, you know, Stuart Mandel famously at the Athletic predicted a a tough season for Oklahoma. Um, And he took some heat, but he was he was on target uh but i would say you know like i said it, it was surprising to see them dip below 9 wins
2: i gave them a d plus i, I predicted them to win the big 12 so <laughs> i think uh they didn't do that but i you know I, they the defense I, that's where i thought he would make a difference and he didn't remember their season kind of got off the rails when they lost to tcu anytime you lose to uh texas 49 to nothing that's probably the that that right there makes it a D, and then everything else makes it a D plus, and they can have a losing season because a lot of people are predicting Florida State to boat race them in their bowl game.
1: Yes, yes, they are on a roll. I, I like Florida, the way Florida State is playing. Next on the list, Dan Landing at Oregon, nine and three. Uh, his recruiting ranking right now is number twelve, which isn't far off from Cristobal's rankings when he was at Oregon. So the recruiting hasn't really dropped off. Um, You know, they were embarrassed 49 to three in the opener to Georgia, and that was uh, not a great way to start. But they rebounded quickly, eight straight wins, and then they lost uh, two heartbreakers at the end of the season by three points each. And uh ended up at nine and three. I thought it was a good season. He got a lot out of Bo Nix. Auburn could not get a lot out of him. Um, and I thought Dan Lanning and the Oregon offense was clicking for most of the season. They did he made some rookie mistakes, I thought, in game management, late game situations a couple times that hopefully he'll learn from. I gave him a B plus.
2: Yeah, good good ranking. Uh they were actually in the playoff discussion, very mm-hmm. much so until Kind of a heartbreaking loss against Washington, but the what he did with Bo Nix, again, you know, you're gonna hear me talk about these the wonders of what you can do with a quarterback and the change of scenery did uh Bo Nix a lot of good. So Oregon's gonna be a player in the Pac twelve and you know, maybe in the Big Ten someday. Who knows? But I think Dan Lenning proved that he was a very good hire.
1: Yeah. They yeah, they 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 did well replacing Mr. Cristobal, especially when they saw Cristobal go five and seven uh, across the country. Sonny Dykes, TCU, twelve and one, ranked third in the country, made the college football playoff. They will play Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, the, you know their notable wins: Kansas State and Texas, and they played a bunch of teams that were ranked at the time in the middle of the season. Uh, they came within inches of a, an undefeated thirteen and zero season. Um, he really elevated the program. People forget, I don't know, that the last four years before Dykes got there, they were 23 and 24. And then in one year, all of a sudden, they're nearly undefeated. Um, so he's he's in position to win Coach of the Year. He's won a couple already. Uh, Sporting News Coach of the Year is coming out soon. I gave him an A+. plus. I mean, I, I, there's not much more he could do.
2: Yeah, great year. Great year. And, you know, I don't have anything other to add than, you know, help Max Duggan become a Heisman finalist fit matters. I say this all the time when it comes to coaching and nobody fits in Texas more than Sonny Dykes, son of a Texas coach, all those things. Um, And yeah, I mean, the superlatives are there and now he has a chance and they're, I'd give them more of a chance against Michigan than people are letting on because we'll we'll get into that more as bull season goes on, but that is big 12 style versus big 10 style. And we'll see which one wins. And I think they'll go in that game and let it rip.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I talked to a few people last week from TCU. They're very confident in themselves. They feel like they're, you know, better collectively than they are individually. Um, Not as flashy as some of the other teams in the college football playoff. We'll see how that plays out. Next on our list, Joey McGuire, Texas Tech, seven and five. They were picked ninth in the Big 12 and they finished fourth uh, at five and four. <clears throat> excuse me, when they beat Oklahoma to close the season, which is just a huge win for Texas Tech anytime you can beat Oklahoma. In fact, they beat Texas and Oklahoma in the same season for the first time in school history. McGuire's recruiting class is ranked 22 right now. The last three classes prior to his arrival averaged a ranking of 55, so he has upgraded the recruiting significantly. I'm giving him an A-. Great job by Joey
2: McGuire. Hey, you did, and Work, you got to continue that work. and we we talked a lot about Mike Leach yesterday um and the tragic passing there. he did He made it work for a decade. Now, remember when Joey McGuire said everything, Runs through Lubbock. Uh, <laughs> I loved that. That was good, but uh, there's, still, there's still work to do to make that happen because. A little the, carried away. That's all right. Yeah, it, that's fine. So he's got them <laughs> believing in Lubbock, and uh, we'll see how that goes. That was one of the best quotes of the year, no doubt. <laughs> it was great.
1: Uh, Lincoln Riley next on the list. USC 11 and 2. They were 11 and 1 until that upset in the Pac 12 championship game. They beat UCLA, they beat Notre Dame couldn't beat Utah, got, got, got upended twice uh, by Utah. But heck, I mean, USC was, they went into the portal hard. He had the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams. They're recruiting right now is number 14 in the country, which is an upgrade from us. USC has been up and down in the recruiting rankings. This is uh, an up, up tick for them. And then, but beyond the high school recruiting rankings, you know, Lincoln Riley knows how to use that transfer portal an A for Lincoln Riley in year one
2: in Los Angeles. I was a tough grader. I could say a minus because the defense belt does need work, you know, and they got out physical twice by Utah. But I mean, yeah, you know, it it have a Heisman winner, have a new year's day, six season to be in the playoff discussion through the uh, last week of the season. I always tell people in 2020 USC was ranked, was undefeated with like two weeks left in the season. And in the college football playoff rankings, they were ranked behind coastal Carolina that that's not going to be the case anymore. Lincoln rally brought that glamor back to the program and it'll continue next season with Lincoln uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, next on the list, Tony Elliott, Virginia three
1: and seven. Of course they uh, canceled their final two games. That's why they ended up at three and seven. Uh, Elliott, you know, really received a lot of praise for handling the the tragic situation that his team went through. The three players that were killed in an on-campus shooting in November. I mean, you hate to see anyone have to go through that. A new coach is difficult. I know Bronco Mendenhall weighed in a little bit appropriately, I thought from uh, afar and that, you know, everybody's putting the the team first and the players first and things like that. So kudos to that was not a great season on the field. Uh, Brendan Armstrong struggled. He, he had a, a quarterback. he had a great junior season, did not have a great senior season. Uh, this was the first losing season at UVA since 2017. So, they need some work uh, on the field. But, you know, again, kudos to how Elliott handled that situation. Um, I gave him a C. Uh, but like I said, you know, it's it's a little bit of an incomplete almost.
2: Yeah, I mean, tough to grade. I mean, obviously that's a situation that not too many coaches have been put through. So, Fortunately. For the, yeah, and, and he's handled it well. And I think for them on the field next year, continued offensive development that'll be the key and he's obviously a bright offensive mind he did a great job at clemson and we'll see how uh he handles that and i think this program absolutely can bond from that experience i mean as tough as that is and and we'll see what they do next season but i would almost say incomplete is the right way to go
1: yeah yeah so brent pry virginia tech went three and eight um, Virginia Tech looking for some new energy around the program. Uh, at three and eight, it, it was not put in. Uh, they blew an eleven point lead to a Georgia Tech team that you know wasn't great. Eleven point lead in the fourth quarter uh, that hurt. They did end the season on a little bit of an up note by upsetting Liberty uh, late in the year, and then the, the season finale was canceled against Virginia. Um, I'm going to give Brent Pry a C. the re- recruiting ranking 41. That's you know not going to get them where they wanna to get to. So um yeah, some improvement needs to
2: happen uh for in year two for Pry. Yeah, and um I would go lower if you want. I mean three and eight of Virginia Tech, that's not gonna cut it. So I that that's a fit again. It was one of those that we talked about when he came over from Penn State. But I mean they got to get back to that, you know, lunch pail type special teams defense, creating things that way and then uh getting more dynamic players on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Two more coaches, both uh, in the Pac-12, both in Washington. Kalen DeBoer, Washington, ten and two, uh, just great around. I mean, they beat Oregon State, they beat Oregon. Uh, you know, he was in conversation for National Coach of the Year. Uh, Washington was four and eight last year. Their offense was abysmal. They went from a hundred and seventh to fourth in total offense in one season. They brought in Michael Penix, uh, who he had worked with in at Indiana. And Penix was not really expected to do that much. All of a sudden, he led the nation in passing. So great job by Kalen DeBoer. Uh, they beat Oregon in a critical game late in the season. That was great for them. Looked like they might sneak into the Rose Bowl. Utah took that spot. But uh, give him an A for year one.
2: Yeah. And uh, with Penix, obviously, he was in a – Battle for the starting job when the season started. We thought they were going to win ten games. Um, the the Michigan State win really showed what they can be, and that's a tough place to play when that program's right. So, I don't know if he's going to get them into the heights what Chris Peterson did, but you know, maybe he can. Maybe he can make them a Pac-12 championship type team, and and getting a top twenty-five recruiting ranking or right on the outskirts of it is a really good start. Right, and it, I mean the Peterson era isn't that far.
1: Right. We're not that far removed from it, so it wasn't like he took a, a you know program like Kansas, like Leipold did, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, they haven't been down for very long, but they were certainly down last year. That team was, in, like I said, in disarray from the top down, and uh, he really turned it around from last year to this year. Uh, last one, Washington State, Jake Dickert, seven and five. He was the interim coach. Uh, when, uh, Rolovich, Nick Rolovich was fired uh, midway through the season for the, he wouldn't take the, um, uh, the COVID vaccine that was required. And, and, and that was a weird situation to start in, uh, Dickert did well at the end of the year, got the job in the off season. He went seven and five in his first year. Uh, I was looking at their schedule. They, you know, kind of drew a brutal back <laughs> 12 schedule. I mean, you, you missed two teams in the pack 12. He had to play the first two fifth fifth place teams and they went 0 and five against those five. So, you know, they, they beat the lower half of the, of the conference. They couldn't beat the upper half of the conference. Uh, Cam Ward pro- proved to be pretty solid. Um, you know, I gave him a B minus. What do you
2: think? Gone got a little higher considering the situation yeah. he inherited. I mean, this was a team that pushed Oregon to the limit, um, pushed Utah. Um Great. You know, I spoke with him before the season about Cam Ward and thought they could be a sleeper team. They won at Wisconsin. That was a huge win. And it really changed the trajectory of both of those seasons. So, you know, again, the Pac-12, a lot of good, successful coaches in the first year here that have flipped, helped flip that conference into a very competitive conference from top to bottom. No doubt, no doubt about it. So, yeah,
1: I loved the Pac-12 all year. We talked about it a ton. So, anyway, let's move on to someone who will be on this report card 12 months from now. His name is Dion Sanders. Uh, he is uh, Colorado's choice to take over and see if he can get that program back on track. They were 1-11 this year, and he has, like I said, sucked up a lot of the oxygen here in the off season. What is your opinion on the hiring of
2: Deion Sanders? Um, you know, I I try to keep things in the middle, which social media makes it impossible to do. <laughs> I um, He is a huge personality, and this is the right time for him to try it because it is NIL, and, and the rules are what they are. And he came right out and said, you know, I'm not hard to find. And, you know, we're going to find out. And I, I kind of put it this way, Bill, that when they – Posted that video of him talking to the team about his luggage and and it's Louie and I'm bringing my bag luggage and you can go to the transfer portal. Some people thought, hey, that's the greatest thing I've ever, you know, seen from a motivational standpoint. others was like what a classless, you know, jerk and, and all those things. Kind of saw it in the middle. I think he is going to improve their recruiting. We've seen it already. Um, but what is your expectation of success? Like, so if they go five and seven next year, there are going to be people that say this was a failure. I would kind of look at it as that's progress. Is Dion patient enough to go five and seven against that schedule? Because that's where I would set their over under at, probably four and a half in year one. How long I, is he going to stay there and see it through? I agree. And if you look at their schedule, TCU and
1: Nebraska are their first two non conference games. And they have Colorado State. So Colorado State is kind of a mess. Nebraska's – I don't know what Nebraska's going to be. I mean, they have a new coach too. We'll see um, what Rule can do there. And then uh, TCU has got their act together right now. And, you know, they're going to have the experience of coming up college football playoff. They miss Washington and Cal in conference. So they have Oregon. They have Utah. They have USC. They have UCLA. Like – Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to find six wins to get him to a bowl game, and it's tough to do. Um, But, you know, he's getting all the attention right now. He flipped four-star running back Dylan Edwards from Notre Dame, the Kansas Gatorade Player of the Year. He he had worked with Dylan when he was in youth football somewhere. I think it was in Texas. Uh, You know, had known the family for a long time, so it wasn't, like, totally out of the blue. But, um, you know, we'll see. He's really has an opportunity. And the thing is, like we talked about, the first-year coaches have raised the bar, and suddenly you're not – this isn't a three-year plan, and he doesn't – he's not ready to wait for a three-year plan, right? His right. <laughs> his statement to his team was, as, as a coach, you, get, you either get terminated or you get elevated, and he's looking to get elevated from Colorado, and he's probably going to make no, no
2: secret of that. I mean, he's the largest personality to take a college job since Jim Harbaugh. Like on any cycle. Then when Harbaugh came to Michigan, the hysteria. And I like to remind people, like, I was pretty moderate on Harbaugh through the whole thing. And I I always went on countless radio stations when they were like, you got to fire Harbaugh. I'm like, no, you know, you got to wait, see it through. Because people don't understand the mess that he inherited at Michigan post Brady Hoke. That is a, you know, like five-star neighborhood compared to Colorado and what Dion's getting. You know, he has to build this program from the ground up, essentially. And that's not like USC, where you're bringing Caleb Williams with you, or LSU, where you have four- and five-star SEC guys on the roster. Or he, I would even argue even TCU, where they had had success under Gary Patterson. This program has not been very good. They had the one year with Mike McIntyre. They've had a lot of controversy, haven't won football games. That's why I'm going to try to – I'm going to be fair with Dion. I think if they go five and seven, I'll be like, it's a good year. But I've feeling that, like I said, with social media and like you said, him being who he is and the huge personality that comes with that, it'll be interesting to see how people view what a five and seven season at Colorado really means. And and it's I get the feeling he's
1: not gonna be easy to work with on the inside. He's gonna want everything his way. And I think Will Colorado be able to put up with that athletic director, Rick George, is he on board with letting Dion kind of run the show because Dion's not going to want any sort of restrictions, not necessarily on, on getting kids in, but just when he does the media, when he does his practice, when the kids have to go to class, when they're allowed, like he's going to, Dion's going to say, I'm in charge. You're not going to tell me how I'm going to run my program. And I don't know. I did, There could be some conflicts, but you know, there's plenty of coaches out there that are not easy to deal with that win games. And that's the bottom line. And, um, you know, he certainly talks a big game. If I was a parent of one of those, uh, football players, I wouldn't have been happy listening to him talk about how they're basically lousy football players and they need to, you know, catch the next train out of town. Um, some people got fired up about it. I was a little, little cautious on that and and how he addressed his team And how it was funny. He was like, "Next time I come here, there's gonna be no hats at these meetings." And he was wearing a baseball cap at the
2: time he said that, which I thought was funny. But um well, he does like I watched the 60 Minutes interview. He does have old school sensibilities, and and I, as far as the X's and O's in football, he talked about how his players don't their socks are all the same and those kind of things. And you got to remember, as a player, I always tell people this. Like, as you know, I'm a Packers fan. Like when Dion played, I couldn't stand him. But it was under the. That's the best corner I've ever seen. Standard, like, yeah. Why is Brett Favre throwing at Dion? Like that kind of thing. He was so mm-hmm. good. He was cocky, but he could back it up. And I was watching the game on Sunday night with the Dolphins, and I told Grant, I said, "Hey, by the way, he was talking about Tyreek Hill. I was like, Hey, by the way, Dion could cover him, and he'd be fine in man by himself, and he'd want that. And I think that's part of this. What." It, What I know about Deion the player, I know he did really well at Jackson State as a coach, and I want to see it. I I think college football is good. When Harbaugh came to Michigan, it was good. When Deion comes to Colorado, it's good because it's going to create more interest in Colorado football, and I can't say I've had much interest in watching them very much over the last 20 years.
1: It's just wild, the thing. I mean, he feels like this breath of fresh air, and he's going to be this rising star and that kind of thing. And, like, you know, the the two coaches that I'm not – trying to compare them, but just that have been in the news the last 24 hours, 48 hours and seeing their ages. Mike Leach was 61 years old when he passed away. Dion is 55. He's only six years younger than Mike Leach. And you feel like Leach had this unbelievably long career and varied and this and that. And Dion's just getting started at 55. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of interesting to see right there. So we'll see. I'll be at the celebration bowl on Saturday. I will be at the press conference on Friday, and uh, write something for SportingNews.com about all that is Dion. The Dion the Dion Show is coming to town, and I will be there to record it. Okay, trivia question: Since we're talking about first year coaches, Brian Kelly went nine and four in his first season at LSU. With uh, the bowl game still to come, today's trivia for you, Bill: What was Brian Kelly's record in his first year at Notre Dame in 2010? Can I have how many games they played? Think about that. No, you cannot. I can't. <laughs> Why not? You All need right, to guess. It. You can do All it. Right, I'll you figure it out. I think Cutters, I know. first record at Notre Dame. Um, now we are moving on to our bowl predictions. Okay, since I won the regular season, I will you get pick to go first. I will get to go first. I only record these as we keep track of the games this weekend. Uh, the bowl predictions. My four-pointer. I'm going to start us off. Four-pointer against the spread. I'm taking Oregon State minus 10.5 against the Gators in the Las Vegas Bowl. That game is Saturday afternoon, 2.30 on ESPN. Florida will be starting former Ohio State quarterback Jack Miller, uh, who has had a broken thumb. He missed most of the year. Uh, You know, didn't practice most of the year, has not played at all, but didn't have much practice either. Um, Oregon State, strong season, nine and three. And this Las Vegas Bowl, I think is going to mean a lot more to them than it is to Florida. We talked about Billy Napier before, doesn't really have a signature win. And Florida just isn't where it quite needs to be yet, um, especially defensively, uh, to beat a quality Oregon State team. I'm taking the Beavers.
2: Okay. Um, I'm looking, I'm updating my spreads from because I, when I did that, by the way, when I did that, it was a seven point spread when we first posted our picks. So I'm going to have to update that at sportingnews.com. Oh, I've probably because uh, all the up upda- to uh, Richardson opted yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I've got as my four and I've changed it a couple times. Um, I'm going to, we can update the spread if we need to, but I got, I got Western, it in front of me. What is the Western Kentucky? South Alabama spread in the New Orleans Bowl. Western Kentucky is a four-point dog. Okay, I'm going to take the four because they have Austin Reed back. And he he went in the portal and went out. And I'm going to take Western Kentucky, four-point underdog against South Alabama. That's going to be a fun game because South Alabama had a really good season out of the Sun Belt. I love Western Kentucky's offense. They're one of those teams when their bull game is on, I do watch With Reed coming out of the portal, had he been in the portal, this is why I switched it. If he was still in the portal or going somewhere else, I was definitely going to go with the Jaguars. Kane Mm -hmm. Womack had a really good year. But that'll be my four-pointer, New Orleans Bowl. All
1: right, three points for me. UTSA is getting one and a half at – not at – versus Troy in the Cure Bowl on Friday afternoon, three o'clock, kicks off bowl season. Uh, UTSA quarterback Frank Harris <laughs> has announced he's returning for his seventh season. Yes, you heard that right. Um, he's U- back? Yeah, wow. he's coming okay. back. He's in, not graduating. He's, he got a new NIL deal apparently to stay at UTSA. He's coming back. Um, so uh, they, they, they've really become the best comf- uh, team in Conference USA. They're 20-3 and three the last three years, 8-0 this season, all under Jeff Trailer. Uh, He's a great story. Former Texas high school coach who, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he was a Texas high school coach for 25 years and then uh, uh, hopped into college football. He was an assistant at Texas, SMU and Arkansas. Got the UTSA job three years ago and he's been great. Um, And so I'm going to take UTSA. They're looking for their first bowl win bowl win in school history. Uh, They're 0 and 3 so far. So uh, I'm going to say that
2: they're going to get it this Friday. I picked them as a three-two. Oh, you did? They, yeah. I, okay. And you said one and a half or one. One and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take them as well. I had that already down. Um, Frank Harris, big reason. It's a fun game. I mean, I the best. If I had to recommend like one or two like bull games outside of the New Year's Day six, I always say watch the two group of five teams that were really good. This mm-hmm. would be an amazing group of five playoff game. So uh, I'm going to take the Roadrunners as well and uh, take that spread and Frank Harris and you know I'll be picking Frank Harris in bowl games 3 years from now apparently so uh <laughs> we'll we'll uh keep 10 year veteran
1: Frank Harris
2: that's a wash I don't like washes in our contests because that means we're just playing for 7 points but that's what I'm going to do all right
1: two pointer for me Fresno State minus 3 against Washington State in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl 3:30 Saturday afternoon on ABC I'm sure Jimmy will be in attendance Uh, Both starting quarterbacks also will be in attendance, fortunately. And I can't say that about all the bowl games. Uh, They will be there. Uh, Cam Ward and Jake Hayner, it's a good good matchup. Um, Not opting out. Wazoo played some entertaining games in the Pac-12 this year. We talked earlier about how their season went. Um, Lost a couple of close ones to Oregon and Utah. Uh, Got blown out in the last game of the season against Washington. Uh, Fresno, on the other hand, finished on fire. Eight wins in a row. Came from behind, won the Mountain West, beat Boise State in a rematch game in the championship game. Hayner has 11 touchdowns, no picks in his last five games. I'll take uh, Fresno State minus a three. I'm
2: going Cincinnati plus one in the Fenway Bowl against Louisville. i do not not 100% sure who's coaching in this game. Um, <laughs> it's Kerry Coombs on one end and the other Braum brother on the no. other end, I think. It's not?
1: No. Dion branch.
2: Dion branch is the in- No, the other problem brother is the interim coach at Purdue or was for like 48 hours now that they've hired. So Dion branch of super bowl fame versus Kerry Coombs of Cincinnati Corain cool fame. And we don't, we pretty sure we know Satterfield's not going to be on one of those sidelines. Uh, that's going to be fun, man. Kegan nails trophy. I like Cincinnati in the bowl game. I think they, <laughs> there are some people worried about what they're going to do next. Um, you want to talk a, with a bull game with a little bit of sauce on it, that will definitely have it, and I'll take the Bearcats.
1: Yeah, I did a ton of research. Obviously, we don't talk about our picks ahead of this this show. I did a ton of research on this game. They are my one-pointer. Same same deal. Cincinnati uh, plus one It's just such a coin flip, right? This Great. game is sort of ridiculous. So here's all my – my. it's a Saturday at 11 a.m. in Boston, Fenway Park, and it is um, – you know, here's the, what I uh, discovered is the first time they've played since 2013. Uh, the original trophy was mm-hmm. reportedly lost by Louisville, so that there's a replica, and I'm sure that'll be on hand um, at Fenway. Someone who will not be on hand is Scott Satterfield. He says he's not going to Boston. He doesn't even want to be there. Um, Louisville is going to be missing Malik Cunningham, a starting quarterback, their top running back and Tyon, Tyon Evans, their leading receiver, Second team All ACC Tyler Hudson is out. Third team All ACC cornerback uh, Kytrell Clark is out, and their co-defensive coordinators, their offensive coordinator, the running backs coach, the quarterbacks coach, and the linebackers coach out. Dion Branch, Dion Branch is going to have three full-time assistants, and and Deion Branch. Super Bowl MVP with the Patriots, by the way. You didn't mention oh, we the know Patriots. That. You just said yeah. Super Bowl fame. It was the Patriots Super Bowl. Super Bowl okay, of course, of course. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will be the head coach. He's, he's the director of player personnel. He wasn't even mm-hmm. like a full-time assistant coach. Anyway, Cincinnati, though, on the other side, they lost Luke Fickle, of course, to Wisconsin. Kerry Coombs, like you said, four full-time assistants have also
2: departed. So, I mean. They should just let Satterfield and Brom coach. It would yeah. be amazing. Like, it's the that same would be thing. Amazing. Like, just be like, you guys coach. You're
1: there. Pretty much. I mean, so here's my reasoning. Ready? I'm going to go with Cincinnati because the last time Cincinnati played at Fenway Park in the World Series, it was the Reds beating the Red Sox in 1975. Oh, well, the know. last time the Cardinals played at Fenway Park in the World Series, they the lost. Red Sox beat right. St. Louis in 2013. So the Cardinals lost, Cincinnati won. It's going to be Cincinnati. That's my logic right there. That's a well, little could, Lee, Lee Corso logic right there.
2: I could have used my logic, would be then that one time I drove, well, because that's like we Ohioans joke, some of us joke like sometimes when Cincinnati people give us a hard time up here in central Ohio, we'll be like, oh, Cincinnati's part of Kentucky anyway. And then <laughs> so one time I was driving to Lexington for us and I stopped in a gas station in Kentucky and somebody, I got ID'd. I, you know, whatever. Um, and she goes, I don't like people from Ohio. And I you can imagine what I wanted to say, but I just said, All right, in the left. But you you knowing me know, and I had to bite my tongue pretty bad. And I was like, What? I could have said a lot of bad things about Kentucky. But uh <laughs> yeah. I like Kentucky. I'm on, you know, it's fine, but Cincinnati's part of it. But uh I got the Bearcats. So my one pointer, yeah. It's it's kind of a I didn't really want to pick it because it's a hard game to pick. But to to show we're gonna have a piece on it this week, the BYU SMU game, mm. uh, first time they've met since the 1980 Holiday Bowl, which is one of the greatest bowl games ever played. Uh, you know, you go back and look at the history of that game. I've got the Cougs plus two and a half. Unless you have a different line, I'll, I'll take whatever line you have. But I like the Cougars to win, and uh, it'll be a shootout, be a lot of fun, a lot of points. They scored 91 total points when they played in 1980. I like the, the BYU to win. You'll see some flashbacks to that game. And it's the New Mexico Bowl, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Um I'm giving you five and a half points.
1: You got up to five and a half. Someone must have opted out. I don't know. That's what
2: I gotta update our lines on our bull predictions at sporting news, and I will do that, believe me, because these are impossible to pick. So that'll get me off to a good start. There you go. You're getting five and a half right there.
1: Um, very good. All right. So to review, I've got Oregon State minus ten and a half as my four pointer, UTSA plus one and a half as my three. Fresno minus three, and then Cincinnati plus one in the Fenway ball. Bill Bender goes with Western Kentucky plus four, UTSA plus one and a half, Cincinnati plus one, and BYU plus five and a half. You've got four underdogs you're taking. Four yep.
2: underdogs to cover the spread. There about are no that? underdogs in bowl games. That's some of them are coin flips. So we'll see. It should be fun. I can't wait. Trivia
1: answer: The Brian Kelly went nine and four in his first uh, first season at LSU, and uh, the bowl game is still to come. What was Brian Kelly's record in his first season at Notre Dame in twenty ten? I
2: guessed seven and six. You guessed close. Eight and five? Eight and five, correct. Can I, can I get my – I'll give you my logic on this. They okay. definitely – I know some of the game. They definitely lost to South Florida, right? Year one. No, I think it was, that was that year, year two. two. Did they beat Miami in the bowl game? They did. That's. Where I remember that because that was the moment when I was like –
1: Notre Dame I'm, beat Miami in the Sun Bowl.
2: Yeah, so they won that bowl game, and they. I was like, okay, they're going to – they looked awesome in that bull game, if I remember correctly, and I was like, okay, the momentum's going to carry over." And it, again, it took a minute. So
1: took a Pete, minute that, that, so that season that it was marked by two ugly losses. It was not South also, Florida. that was a Tulsa and Navy. Tulsa and Navy both beat Brian Kelly in his first season at Notre Dame. The only ranked team Notre Dame beat that season was Utah okay they lost i believe to, navy
2: didn't pass or like that i can't tell you very few passing yards and they might have got did they you have their schedule up? did they get what was the michigan score that year uh, i don't have the
1: schedule up in front of me but yeah michigan was one of the losses stanford was one of the losses when stanford mm-hmm. was good harbaugh was probably at stanford at the time mm-hmm. um and so uh, yeah i believe michigan yeah. state might have been the, th- the fifth loss so,
2: so. Was, i I guess seven and six, but I'm close. So close, I very close.
1: Very close. Very,
2: very close. But yeah, that was uh that's why that bowl game I'm telling you. And with those report cards, he's, he exceeded expectations in year one, given what people thought. Some people thought that would be a full fledged disaster. Definitely. So very
1: good. All right. Enjoy the bowl games. Everybody keep track, see who, what happens with this confidence contest. And uh, we will be back next week to break more, do more bowl game picks. We're going to, talk about the new hires and give them give a little report card for that uh, as we move forward as we get deeper into bowl season and then uh, maybe talk a little recruiting at some point as signing day approaches as all the things converge all at once in the college football calendar thank you once again everybody for listening to the cfb nation all america podcast